Fantastic, David Warren. Thank you. That's great. Awesome. Okay, fantastic. Okay, we're just waiting one second for um, uh, Shoshana Udelman. She uh, ran out to get me something to hold this phone because I have it perched precariously over here um, on a mouse trap, literally. And um, she uh, didn't think that was a great idea. So um, she'll be right back. So we're going to start in one second. Um, I do have a source sheet here. Um, is there somebody who's tech savvy who can tell me how I can share that with everybody who's... Uh, maybe Hi, Rabbi, Rabbi Fagenbaum, I'll that? upload it to the screen. Oh, is that Michal? Michal, yeah, I'll upload it. Okay. You know, Michal, if you want, maybe you could just dump a link into the chat. It might be easier. People can download it themselves or put it on sure. the screen. It doesn't oh, matter sure. to me. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Not a problem. You know, or put it on the screen. That way people don't have to look at me, you know? All, all, all good. Um, yes, if it is this following, that's exactly what she found. So well, she was correct. Okay, we're going to start in a minute, everybody. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, huge, huge move. <laughs> huge move. Huge move. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, how does it work? So I turn it sideways, and that's just going to work by itself. I mean, once you, you okay, fantastic. And now it's there. Okay, everybody can still hear me. We're still good. Yes, somebody. I'm assuming it's good. It's great. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Okay, very good. Okay, um, did my source sheet make it out into the interwebs? Give me 30 seconds and it should be there. Good. So I'm gonna keep talking. I'm assuming it's gonna work and stop me if uh if it if it doesn't, okay? Um all right, can I borrow your phone? I have no clock now. Okay, fantastic. That's awesome. Okay, all right. Um evening everybody and thanks a lot for coming. Um we're gonna be learning to heal him all week this week. Um uh, I don't know, I I I figured we have to learn because we have to learn, right? Um, uh, Rashi writes, we're going to be learning Tehillim, but we're not learning this Tehillim tonight. But Rashi writes in Tehillim, Kuvchav Beis, Shlomo HaMelech says that, Sha'u Shalom, no, that's not what he says. I mean, that is what he says. In Tehillim Kuvchav Beis, so that's not the Pasuk that I was looking for. David HaMelech says, Tehillim Kuvchav Beis, how does it go? Om dos hayu raglenu bisharayich Yerushalayim. That's how it goes, right? Uh, David HaMelech says that, Om dos hayu raglenu bisharayich Yerushalayim. That our feet were standing, literally means in their gates, Yerushalayim. But if you look in Rashi there, Rashi says something that's totally, totally wild. Rashi says that, that our feet were standing, Rashi adds one word, that's what Rashi says. That our feet were standing in war, because of your gates, Yerushalayim. And Rashi explains that what Dabda Melech means to say is that our chayalim stood in war because of the merit of the Torah that was being studied and learned in Yerushalayim. That's what Rashi writes. Tilim Kuf Atara and I were learning Tilim earlier today. We were learning Tilim Chaf. And and uh, and uh, Malbim there writes something very, very similar. So, Bulin uh, um, you know, uh, this week. Um, I actually originally, when I offered to say these shiurim, 
I was thinking that we would just do all of the Shira Malas. That's what I was thinking. We would just start in the Shira Malas. There's 15 of them. And we would just learn the Shira Malas. That was my original plan, which is why tonight we're going to learn Tehillim Kufchak, which is the first of the Shira Malas. But then I was learning Tehillim with the Tara earlier today. And um, we took the Tehillim out and uh, we learned Tehillim Aleph yesterday. And then Atara said to me, should we learn Tehillim Bet or should we do the ones that like we're saying more regularly? You know, and when she asked me that question, like I didn't think about it before. You know, like sometimes things that are so obvious just don't always come to you. You know what I mean? I didn't think about it before. And I was like, because I would have said till and bet. That's what I would have said. That's like my, like, you know, uh, the way my brain works. I was like, you know, like you start, you move, you know, like that's how, that's just how my brain works, which is why I thought she are miles and would just go. You know, that's what I was like. But when she asked me that question, I was, I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe we should do the ones that we're saying more often. So I think we'll we'll do that. I think I'll, you know, uh, switch, shift gears a little bit. I'll do ones. But but tonight I was already prepared and I already sent Michal the, the, this, uh, this sheet and it was already a lot of pages. You know, um, and so uh, I'm usually not chas on the trees um, in general. I love trees, but God put them here for us to be able to use them and to study Torah. It's like the trees are so happy when they get turned into source sheets. I have no indication that that's true, by the way, but it has to be true. I'm saying, you know, like what 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 do you think a tree would rather would rather have happen to? I can't think of anything that a tree would rather have happen to it than turn into a Torah source sheet. No, I'm saying, well, you know, maybe a chumash would be like a printed book would be better. Because then it's not just, you know, like Chadap. Uh, uh, is that Chadap? That's good usage. Okay, good, right? All right. But uh, all right, so let's learn everybody because that's what we have to do now. That, that is our responsibility. Our responsibility is to learn. We have other responsibilities, but one of our responsibilities is to learn, is to dive. So we're going to learn and we're going to dive. Both. That's what we're going to do both. We're going to learn and we're going to dive. And we're going to learn to Hillen Kufchaf and we're going to say to Hillen Kufchaf. And I hope, I hope that uh, by the time we're done this evening, We'll be able to say Tilim Kufchaf in a way that we we didn't say it beforehand. I, I hope that that's what we'll be able to do. And I hope we'll be able to take Tilim Kufchaf with us and now be able to say it for the rest of our lives, you know, uh, in, a, in a much different fashion because we've really, really learned it. You know, um, uh, in general, um, since I started learning Tanakh, it was a while ago, thank God, but since I started learning Tanakh, specifically with Malbim, I love learning Tanakh with Malbim, it's also changed my tefillah because there's so much of tefillah that comes from Tanakh and to the extent that you have a better grasp on the, the Tanakh, um, it, it, I, I found for me that it, it helps to elevate my tefillah as well. And so that's what we're going to try to do together. Let's finally get started. Everybody ready? First, we're gonna, just going to read the paragraph of Tehillim. I've got the Tehillim on the top of the page. If you have your own Tehillim there, you're welcome to use it. But I, you have the whole thing right here. It's a short paragraph in Tehillim. It's only uh, seven It's only seven psukim. Here's what Dovna Melech writes. Shira Ma'alo, right? I'm going to loosely translate right now because we're going to go into depth throughout the, the whole the whole parak, right? But the song of ascent, right? The, to God, I called out in my tr my troubling times, my time of need. I called out to God and God answered me. God, save me from lies and from uh, um, tricky speech. What can I give to you? What can I add to you? Uh, tricky speech. What can I give and what can I what can I add? The the arrows of um of the warriors with the burning coals of uh, rotem trees. Um we're just reading the hill and we're right in the beginning. We just you didn't miss anything, um, except for my nonsense, right? Uh, woe is to me that Garti Meshech Shachanti Kedar that I have been living so long um, in uh, in the tents of uh, of Kedar. Uh, I have 
I have uh, become uh, so much Rabbas from Rabbah. It's, it's so much that I've dwelled, my soul has dwelled with people who despise peace. Ani shalom, I am for peace. And as I am speaking, they are for war. Uh, if we had to quickly summarize, anybody, topic sentence? We just read and translated Parak of Tilim very quickly. It was loose translation. What's the Parak of Tilim about? A little confusing. It's got different things in there. Okay, so get very, very good. Shoshana said that we want peace, they want war. It's interesting that Shoshana said that because you only get the peace and war at the very, very end of the paragraph of Tehillim, right? The significant majority, it's majority, it's only seven psukim, right? She took the last two. So that's, that's that's I guess, technically a minority, right? But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, before that, you know, you could have taken two other psukim and you could have spoken about Sheker, Rimiyah, right? Two other psukim that talk about that, lies, and chicanery, right? And so, okay, let's try to put it all together and see what David Melech is really um, asking for in this paragraph to him. First, we have to understand what is Shi'ar Malos. So, interestingly, um, maybe we will do this tomorrow night because Kuf Chafala, well, is tomorrow, it would have been my tomorrow night in my original schedule, and it's also one of the ones that we say all the time, Kuf Chafala. So Rashi actually thinks that Tilim Kuf Chafala is the first of the Shi'ar Malos. The reason why Rashi thinks that is because if you ever noticed, all of the Shir Hamalos start with Shir Hamalos, with the Heya except for Kufchafalif, which starts with Shir Lamalos. Rashi believes that that's because that's the first one. And if you look in Rashi over here, it's the, the next source that I have here on the page. Rashi says, What are Shir Hamalos? That these were songs that the Levium used to sing in the Beit HaMikdash. There was 15 stairs that used to, uh, oh, sorry, it's here. I apologize. I have a Tara's phone, and now I'm just seeing. That, okay, I'm sorry. That's my that's my fault. I apologize. Okay, I, I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's my fault. Good. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. So there's 15 stairs, right? That uh, that that, that went uh, in the Beit Hamikdash from the Ezra's Israel to the to the Ezra's nation. And uh, the Levim used to stand on these 15 stairs and they would sing these songs. So Shiram Ma'alot, what it means is the song of the stairs, right? The song of the stairs. And that's why Rashi says that the, the first one, Tilim Kufchaf Aleph, starts with Shir Lama'alot. Because where did you say Kufchaf Aleph? On the bottom, by the first step. So it's Shir Lama'alot, the song that's going to the stairs. But then the next song is already, you're already up. Shir Hamalot, right? And so all of the songs are Shir Hamalot except for Kuf Chafalot, which is Shir Lamalot. The fact is, though, that Shir Lamalot, Kuf Chafalot, is printed second in our in our Tilim, and it was printed second in Rashi's Tilim, but that doesn't bother Rashi, because Rashi has a principle that he uses throughout his commentary on the Tanakh, which is Ein Muktamum Uchar. The Ramban did not like that principle very much. He tries not to use it, but Rashi is very comfortable with Ein Muktamum Uchar. And so Rashi, this is an example where Rashi says it's out of order. It's out of order. Really, Tilim Kufchaf Aleph is supposed to be before Tilim Kufchaf. Why David Amalek put it together in the way it is, I don't know, but that's not the way the Levim did it in the Beta Mikdash. Right? But that's Rashi's first interpretation. Rashi's first interpretation that Shira Malot is the song of the is the song of the stairs. Then Rashi says second interpretation, which I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm sorry. If we have time, we can come back to it and read it inside. But it's right here, and I also gave you the Gemara Sukkah from which Rashi um, got this interpretation. But uh, Shira Malot it means the song of ascent. What was ascending? So Rashi says the water level of the world was ascending. The Gemara in Sukkah says that when David Amelech was build, was was making preparations to build the Beit Hamikdash. So Shlomo Amelech built the Beit Hamikdash, but David Amelech tried to make preparations to build the Beit Hamikdash. 
And David HaMelech uh, dug what's called the shisin, which is the drainage uh, pipe that went underneath the Mizbeach. So when we used to pour, uh, let's say, a yayin or on Sukkot, we just had Sukkot, we would pour uh, water on the Mizbeach. It had to go somewhere. Yeah, you know, uh, you have to have drainage. It had, it had to go somewhere. So he dug what's called shisin, which was the drainage pipe that went underneath the Mizbeach. So when David HaMelech dug the, the shisin, the Gemara says that the water from the Tahom, the water from the depths, tried to come up and spread back over the, the whole world. Why he wanted to do that? It's not so simple, but uh, but the water tried to come up. And so God is holding back the water always. Yeah, we know this, yeah? That God created the world with water everywhere. And then God said, is this week's parasha? Oh, this week's parasha, gracious, right? God said, God said, I'm going to gather the water in. The nature of water is to spread out, right? In the Kabbalah, that's because water comes from chesed. And the nature of chesed is to spread, right? So the nature of water is always to spread. Water does not like to be confined. So God had to confine the water. It's not in the water's nature to be confined, right? That's why we say this also, by the way. How does it go? That God, you know, is uh, he has the, the whole world is God's. And how do we know that the whole world is God's? What gives the whole world to God? Key, because who? Al yamim yisada. Because God established the dry land amidst the seas. What does that mean? What is he talking about David Amalek when he says that? What he's talking about is because when God made the world, everything was covered by water. You couldn't see the dry land. And God had to pull back the water, right, to make room for the dry land. That's why the water is always trying to recover the world. You ever go to the ocean? That's what you're watching. You're watching God restraining the water. Right, the, the, what's that? What's that? Is that that's called tiferes, I think. Right, when you have something which is chesed and it's spreading, and then you have something which is gvura, which is holding it back, and that balance where there's water and we have dry land, I think that's called tiferes. Or Shoma will probably correct me, but I think that that's correct. What I just said, right? So, um, so, so God is controlling. So, so when David Amelech is digging the shisin, the water tries to to come up and to you know expand back over the whole the whole world. And there's a story over there exactly what happens or whatever it is. And um, and David Amelech says the Shir Hamalos in order to get the the water table. I think that's the scientific term, right? You know where the the water is under the ground. In order to get the water table to settle in the appropriate place, and so the water originally tries to come up, and then they use God's name to lower it back down, and the water goes way too far down, and we wouldn't have enough water. And so David Amelech uses the Shir Hamalot. He sings these fifteen uh, different Parakim of Talen to raise the water table. Um, back up to where where we want it. It's a wild story. I know that's a Gemara in Sukkah and Dachnun Gimel. Maybe a different time we'll get to learn it inside. There's a crazy, um, you know, oh whatever. There's interesting interpretations exactly what exactly is going on in that Gemara. But Rashi gives us two interpretations. What does it mean Shira Malot? Rashi says one of two things: either the stairs that they used to stand on by the Beit Hamikdash, or the Tehillim that David Amelech used in order to raise the water table back to where we wanted it to be um, in order so that we should be able to have water and that uh, the, the soil underneath our feet will be able to grow vegetation and uh, and the like. That's Rashi's two interpretations. Okay. Now, there's also the Pashtanim, you know, um, who are the Pashtanim, you know, like Ibn Ezra, right? And they see things that are much simpler, right? So if you look in Ibn Ezra, I gave it to you over here. Ibn Ezra says, what does it mean, Shira Ma'alot? Yitachin shuhu al nigunim. What do you call that? The people who sing the high notes? Soprano? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Ibn Ezra says, why'd they call it Shira Ma'alot? This was a soprano song. The high notes. A Ma'alot. After all, these were songs. So Shira Ma'alot is the high notes. It's very lovely, no? It's so simple and very lovely. 
I think so, at least. Yeah. If you look in Radak, also Radak writes here something which is al Shat, but it's from Rav Sadyagon. Hagon Rav Sadyagon um, in the Radak. Uh, did I, no, Hagon Rav Sadyagon's al Shira Malot. Why they call it Shira Ma'alot? Because each of these songs, the 15 songs of the Shira Ma'alot, they were sung in um, a, a raising um, levels of volume. Rising levels of volume. That's, I think, better English, right? And it's, they started, and then what did they do? They kicked it up a notch. Shir HaMa'alot. Each one of the songs, we kick it up a notch. We start here, and then we go here, and then here, and then here, and then here. And that's how they used to sing the songs. So Radak is similar to Ibn Ezra in that he believes that the Shir HaMa'alot is describing the way in which the song was sung. But it's different than Ibn Ezra because Ibn Ezra believes, first of all, it's talking about the key, and Radak has nothing to do with the key. But second of all, Ibn Ezra believes that they were all the same. They were all, all 15 songs were sung in the high notes. And Radak thinks that it's growing, it's gradations, yeah? It's interesting because both Rashi and Radak thought that these were songs of ascent, can I use that word? Only only not, only only differently. Rashi thought that the Levian were going up the stairs, right, of the Beit HaMikdash. And the Radak thought that the, the Kahal, the Levian, whoever was singing along, right, was getting louder. So it was going up, but it was the volume and not the... The, the stairs that were what we're heading what we're heading up. So how many is that already? Two in Rashi, three, four, four, four already. Yeah, good. Now I want to show you some more. Look at this next Radak. This is amazing. This this, this next Radak. It's the second Radak. You have Rashi, Ibn Ezra, Radak, and then Radak again. Yeah, I put it separate, even though it's the same. It's just because it's different. So the Radak writes, the Yesh Lefarish Od, Maalot Maalot Hagalut. Listen to this Radak. What does it mean, ma'alot? It means ma'alot ha'galut. It's ascent from galut. Sha'asidim Yisrael la'alot me'agalut el'arit Yisrael. What is the song of ma'alot? It's the song of Aliyah. It's, it's the song of Jews who are ascending to Eretz Yisrael from the exile. Ve'ele ha'shirim ne'emarim alashon b'nei ha'galut kula. And these are the songs of the Jews who are leaving exile. These are songs of the Jews of coming to, to Geulah who are who are recollecting on the Galut or who are standing in the Galut and pining for the Geulah, one or the other. So these are Shir HaMa'alot, according to the Radak's uh, second interpretation. Uh, this is a very lovely interpretation. I like this interpretation very, very much. I, I like to believe that this is true. That these are the Shira Ma'alot. These are the song of the Olim. We have some Olim here in the room. These are our songs. These are our songs. The songs of the Olim. The songs that the, the people who are yearning and pining for, for Gi'ulah and, and feeling and coming towards Gi'ulah, these are the songs that, uh, that we sing. The Shira Ma'alot. How did David Avelach write them? It's true. It's true. But how did he write the Shira Ma'alot? They're our songs. What? Yeah. Ruach Kocho. Of course. Right. Ruach Kocho. Good. Let's look at this next Ibn Ezra. It's also, it's interesting. It's similar to the Radak, but the sec- Ibn, Ezra's, Ibn Ezra's second interpretation. Ibn Ezra writes, it's interesting, because if you look in some Tehillim, not all Tehillim, but, but, but some Tehillim, they tell you who wrote the song. You know? Um, 
uh, let's say, uh, Tara and I were learning Tehillim Chav today, right? Lanatzeach Mizmor Lidavid. Yeah? Sometimes you have Mizmor La'asaf. Right? You have you have different places. Lanatzeach Livnei Korach Mizmor. These are all Tehillim. Right? Um, so you have different places where Tehillim tells us who the author is. Here, Ibn Ezra says there's no author. It's Shir Ma'alot, right? But no no author. Benesha says, you know why there's no, why there's no, um, um, what do you call it? When you uh, scribe the the title to somebody, there's an English word for that. No, 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 no. When I say who wrote it, there's an English word. Whatever, it doesn't make a difference. What was that? Yeah, okay, fine. That will work for us. Very good, right? There, there is no attribution here, right? Because this is everybody's song. All of the Jews in the Galut, right? That's what Ibn Ezra just said. Did everybody hear that? He wrote it. And all of the Jews in the Galut, when they are bitsara below yadu mayasu, they don't know what to do. Rak el Hashem They call out to God. These are the songs. These shiramal. These are the songs that they sing. And so there's no attribution. This is not David's song. This is not Asaf's song. This is not the song of the Bnei Korach. No. This is the song of all of the Jews in the in the Galut. This is the song of Yesh, huh? No, no, please go ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we get to the, the next time around, it gets louder. It's interesting. That's an Israeli thing. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't, oh, so maybe it's just where I grew up. It was interesting. We didn't do that. Right, we used to we used to say it three times all the same. And when I came to Israel to learn in yeshiva, it was the first time that I experienced it that way. And the first remember it like shook me, you know, because like when you come around and it gets louder, I remember I remember that feeling. That's why I say that, you know. But but yes, you are correct in in understanding the radak in that way. I, and that's how I understood it also. That as you move from one shiramalot to the next, you you raise up, you raise up in volume. Right, you know, which is exactly like that. It's a very, very fine, a very, very fine example. Right. Um, right. All right. This this Yosef Tehillos is a parish of Tehillim of the Chida, um, and this uh, I I don't know what to tell you about this. I, I'll read it to you. I, I'll read it to you, and it's definitely what to think about. All right, uh, it's something to think about. Look at it. Shir Malos. So there's 15 Shir Malos. So why is there 15? So we've only seen right now one interpretation that explains, oh no, two interpretations that explain why 15. They're both of Rashi's interpretations, right? Everybody else explains to us what is ascending, right? But only Rashi explains to us why there's 15 of them. Rashi said either because of the stairs or that story with the water table, he had to set it in a certain way. And so that's why he needed 15, right? That's uh, that's that's. Just, but if, if you look in this from the Chida, the Chida writes that Tesvav Shiramalos, Amr David Amelech, Allah Vashalam, Kineget Tesvav Shanim Shechayuha Avos Biyachad. Go do the math. I trust him. Right? That there is 15 years that the Avos were all alive, Avram, Yitzchak, and, and Yaakov. Who Kineget Tesvav Tevos Shivaparsha Vayikaba Makom, Vayikach Meavnea Makom. And if you count the words in the Pasuk, when Yaakov Avinu has his dream over there, he goes to sleep and he takes the stones right before he has his dream, there's 15 words in that Pasuk. I actually counted that last night when I was putting this together. It's, it's, I, I knew it was correct, but I just had to, you know, whatever. I did not do the math on the years of the Yavos. I trusted him on that. That I trusted him on. But by Yavkavim Akom, I felt that it was too easy. I just had to, you know, I just counted off the the the, the psukim. Shemeha Eben Ahi Nasu Shisin. 
Because from that stone, where Yaakov Avinu put it in Yerushalayim, is where David HaMelech was digging those shisin that Rashi was telling us about before. V'hi Eben HaShsiyah. And that stone is that Eben HaShsiyah. K'neget Tesvav Tevos B'Birchaz Kohanim. There's 15 words in the Birchaz Kohanim. V'Tesvav Tevos B'Pashat B'Zacharthi Esprisi Yaakov. And 15 words in the Pasuk that God remembers the covenant that he made with the Avos. Rimzei Rabbani Ashkenaz HaKamonim for your parshas Vayetze. And so all of these Ramazim, all of these things, Right, the merit of the Avos on the one hand, the Eben Shesia, meaning the 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 Beit Hamikdash, the Birchat Kohanim, the promise of God to remember the covenant with us. David Melech wrote fifteen uh, Shiramalas because he wanted uh, to evoke all of that different merit and all of those different zikuyos. Right, when we say this series of Tehillim Shiramalas, we say these fifteen were actually behind the scenes, right, low key underneath. Invoking all of this different merit, the merit of the Birchas Kohanim, the merit of the Beit Hamikdash, the merit of the Avos—it's all in there. If we understand that the Shir Malos is a section of fifteen, and fifteen corresponds to all of those different zuchlios, that's the that's the chida. Chida thinks that there's that there's such a thing. We've done two words, which is Shir Malos, and I've used half of our time. So um, let's get to the Tehillim. Yeah, we, we this is the Tehillim, but let's let's get to the Tehillim. So Shira Malos, David Melech sings the first song of, of ascent, the song of the Olim, the song of the stairs of the Beit Hamikdash, the song of the Jews in in Gullus, you know, all, all of these different songs. I think they could all be true. We don't have to choose. I think they could all be true. So Shira Malos, El Adonai Batsarasali Karasi Vayaanein. When I am in trouble, I call out to God, and God answers me. Yeah. If you look in the Radak on the bottom. Radak writes that the word sarasa is a strange word. It should say batsara. Yeah? Sara is the regular word. Sarasa, Radak writes, is lirov hatsara. You add that tough sarasa when you're trying to indicate when you have so much trouble, so much sara. That's what that's what this, this song is. So when I have so much trouble, I call out to God. Flip the page over and look at the Alshech, right? The Alshech writes, look at this. I called out to God. And you see how the Al Sheikh is reading, right? He says that when I called out to God, immediately. He didn't have to read it that way. I'm saying there's no, there's no indication that it had to be that way. He could have said, I called out to God. And eventually God answers me. But that's not how Al Sheikh understood. Al Sheikh understood like Terem Adaber. Right, um uh, right? Like you know, as, as I, I I said it and God immediately responded to me. That's what David Amela writes. I wish our Tfil was always like that. I wish it was. I wish I could say that with confidence, you know. I called out to God and he responded to me. We wouldn't be sitting here right now, Aga, by the way, if that was the case, right? Uh, I mean maybe we would be, but in totally different circumstances, right? And but but the truth is I have a little bit of, of solace. I, I do, I took a little bit of comfort. Because look at the following midrash. It's, this is a midrash in Parshas Veschanan. You remember the beginning of Veschanan, Moshe Rabbeinu, um, Davins, to go into to Eretz Yisrael, right? You remember that. So look what the midrash writes. Amar Rabbanan, Yesh Tefila Shenanis Yom. Sometimes, sometimes Tefila takes forty days to answer. You and you ask God, and God doesn't respond right away. It takes forty days to answer. Mimiat Lamat. How do we know that that's true? Who taught us that? Mimosha. From Moshe, why? Right? When Moshe Rabbeinu is davening for the Jews after the Chet HaEgel, he davens for 40 days before God gives us the second Luchos. Moshe Rabbeinu davens for the Jews before, for 40 days. 
So you have Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah, and Moshe Rabbeinu Davin's, he wasn't answered on day one, he wasn't answered on day two, he wasn't answered on day 30. Moshe Rabbeinu Davin's for 40 days. And there are some tefillahs that takes 20 days to answer. Where did we learn that from? It's actually 21 days, whatever, right? The Daniel Davin didn't uh, for 21 days. Then God listened. And God responds in a v'yesh tefillah shenenis l'shlosha yomim. And in some tefillahs, you see that this is descending in the Midrash, right? I wish the Midrash would have gone the other way. It would have helped me better, but it's okay. It still helps me all the same. There are some tefillahs... What? Yeah, that's okay, though. I'm saying that's okay. I think that's when I read this Midrash the first time also, right? I, I had a similar feeling. V'yesh tefillah... And I might still get there tonight. Give me some time. V'yesh tefillah shenan l'shlosha yomim. There's some tefillahs that take three days to get answers. Mimiat lama. Who taught us that? Yona. Yona was in the Daga for how long? Three days. And there are some tefillahs that are answered on that day. On that day. Who did you learn that from? And there are some tefillahs that are answered in their appropriate. And who did we learn that from? There's some filas that are answered immediately. I didn't even get the feel out of my mouth. And God already responds. So the Alshik thinks that David Amelech here is saying, right? I called out to God and God immediately answered. I wish it were true. But there's some filas that aren't answered immediately. There's some tefillahs that are answered that day. There's some tefillahs that are answered three days later. There's some tefillahs that are answered three weeks later. There's some tefillahs that are answered 40 days later. And there are some tefillahs that are answered years and years and years later. I don't know when it is. God answers that. God answers all our tefillahs. God answers that with tefillahs. I wish it would be. I wish it would be. And I hope it is that we'll see God answering to our tefillahs quickly. Soon. Soon. Should be. It should be. I, I would. I would. I would. I, don't know, I would love, I would love for the Al-Sheikh, right away, to tell you the truth, honestly, in my heart of hearts right now, maybe it's my own weakness, I would take the onus three days. I would take it. He offered it to me. I, I might I might even take Daniel's three weeks. I might. I'm holding out that it's not most there's tefillahs that are answered right away. There's tefillahs that are answered later. See, I told you I'd make it there. Yeah? But I call out to God, and God always responds. Exactly when, I'm not sure. And that's what the Midrash tells us. Exactly when, I don't know. Yeah, Marianne, go ahead. Did you have a question? Yeah. That's correct. That's correct. No. It would also be an answer, but I prefer something different. I learned something different that I prefer. I don't know if you prefer this, but I prefer this. Some, I learned that when I was younger. Some, so I remember, I don't remember where I learned it. I learned sometimes that uh, God answers our tefillahs, and sometimes God says no, but I prefer something different. I don't know if this is true or not. It's true what I'm about to say, right? but uh, um, I, I once once heard, actually saw it printed afterwards, but I, I heard it. I heard if I heard him say, once heard of Yashua say that right here at Moshe Rabbeinu, um, he davens in Parshat Deskanan in the beginning. Davins, the, the Chazal say, it's actually in this Midrash, it's the next line, I cut it off, sorry, I wasn't planning on going here, but uh, God, um, the Midrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu Davins 515 tefillahs, that's the Gematria of the Eschanan, Davins 515 tefillahs, 
Um, and uh, and God doesn't let him go into Eretz Yisrael, right? God does not allow. Him. And so you might think, you might think that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, no. He said no, right? But I heard of Yerusha Weissi, he doesn't think that God said no. He thinks that something else happened. The Chazal had this tradition that the world was going to last 6,000 years. The Vashar has a Medrash from Rabbi Akiva that it's going to last 6,092, 6,093, something like that years. I don't remember the exact math, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but that's, I'm telling you, that's the source it is. And and I, I, not only did I hear this from him, but I told you that it's printed, so if anybody wants to read it later, I can get it for you, because I saw it in print afterwards. So the world's going to exist 6,092, 6,093, 93 years. If you if you go from the year that Moshe Rabbeinu died, you can do that, until the year 6,092, 6,093, whatever, whatever it is, um, and you'll do the math, and I don't remember all of the math right now, because I wasn't planning on doing this tonight, so I didn't review the math, but if you go that way, if you go that way, it's 515 Shemitah cycles, exactly. Divide by seven, you do, you know, minus, right, you know, 693, whatever, minus, you know, the year Moshe Rabbeinu dies, uh, divided by, you know, uh, seven is 515. Divide by 515 is seven, whichever you want. It doesn't make a difference. That's the exact same, that's exactly the math. And Rav Usher said, this is what I heard him say, and this is what's printed in his Sefer. Rav Usher said that he thinks that God and Moshe Rabbeinu had a conversation. And it went like this. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, I understand you want to go into Eretz Yisrael. If you want to, I'll let you. If you want, you can. But I have another alternative that you can choose. I'll take all of your tefillahs, 515 of them, and I'll divide them out. One for each Shemitah that the Jews are going to be in Eretz Yisrael and in the Gullahs all the way until the Mashiach comes. And I'll use your tefillahs to make sure that they come back again. So you can choose what you want. I'll give you your tefillahs right now and you can go into Eretz Yisrael. Or I'll take your tefillahs and give them to all of Knesset Yisrael until the Yomos HaMashiach. And Moshe Rabbeinu said HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'll stay over here. Take my tefillahs. You could have them. And I like that much more. I like to believe that sometimes we don't get what we want because it's not because God says no. It's because God says somebody else, somewhere else, needs this tefillah more than you. And God doesn't come to me like he came to Moshe Rabbeinu. He doesn't. I wish he did. I wish God would come to me like he came to Moshe Rabbeinu and he would say to me, listen, Aaron, here's your choices. You know, you could have what you're asking for right now. You could have it. I'll take your tefillahs and I'll give it to you. You can have it. Or, or I can take these tefillahs and put it over here. And I just trust God that he knows better and that he's taking his tefillah, my tefillahs and he's putting them over there. And I have no indication that that's true. I really don't know. But I learned that from Rabbi Asher Weiss, and I, I like to believe that more. I like to believe that God doesn't say no. God says, let me borrow your tefillahs. Let me take them, and let me put them somewhere else, and it's going to give Yeshua and salvation to, to my kids or to my grandkids or to, or to your kids or to your grandkids. I don't know. I don't know where God's putting it. But it's not no, and it's not wasted. It's, it's used and it's somewhere else, and it gives Yeshua and salvation for somebody else in someplace else. I, I like to believe that that's true more than than God than God saying. But I'd also like to see God answer my tefillahs in the way that I asked. I'd like to see that too, and I'd like to see it in the timetable. But I'd like to see it in also. I got a lot of things I'd like. I guess you know, doesn't always work out that way. But that's uh, but that's what David Amalek here says. He says, that I called out to God when I was in trouble, when I was in distress. And God answered, and God, uh, and God, and God responded to me. Now, Chumas Anach is also a, a parish from the from the Chida, I believe. And the Chida over here writes something very, very fascinating. Look at this. Does everybody see where I am? The Chumas Anach. Everybody see that? Yep. Hagam, El Mitzvah Shalikarasi Vaneni. Right. Hagam did Sarech lihispalel ad shelo tavo atzara. 
really the best way to daven. I'm not going to finish this. Like seven psukim, I'm not even going to make it. That's okay. Let's just do what we're going to do. It's going to be everybody ready. Okay. So, um, um, Hagam Titzarech Lispalel Ad Shelo Tavo Atzara. Listen to this. This is amazing. The Chida says the best way to daven is to daven before your intro. Do, do you understand what he's saying? In other words, he's saying, okay, you daven when you're in trouble because you're in trouble. Because you're in trouble. So you come as a, but if you daven when you're not in trouble, if you daven before there's trouble, if you turn to Kodesh Baruch Hu when things are amazing and, and and you say thank you, and you say, oh, that's thank, I'm good. thank you very much. Sir. You say thank you, and you say, please help us. And you realize, you know, that we're always in trouble, you know, even though we're not, always, but we're always in trouble. Right? It's, 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 the, the, he does saying that that's, that, that, that's like the, the higher form of tefillah, if you will, according to what the Chida is writing here. Because read it again. He's, even though I should have davened when I was not bitsara, I should have davened when I was not in trouble. Mikomakom. Nonetheless, midas rachamov hu el chesed Hashem, midas rachamim, sha'af al pishani bitsara. God has such compassion and mercy because even though I only come to God when I'm bitsara, the ainot sara tzibor, and even if it's like my own personal stuff, and it's not the tzara of the tzibor, which we now find ourselves in, but, but even if it was my own personal stuff, el alibe pratios al kozen, harasi vaya anemi, midas rachamov ispara, all the same, all the same. God responds. And God and God answers. Now, when I read this chidah, caught my attention because what the chidah is saying is that God responds to the tefillah that we daven when we are with Sarah out of His chesed and out of His rachim would be better if we would daven to God when we were not with Sarah, and then God would would certainly respond. It would be even a better a better tefillah. Does everybody see how that went? I caught my attention because the tefillah based Sarah is such a powerful tefillah. I'll give you an example. Um, the Rambam, which I'm not going to read right now, but the, the Rambam will be here in Hilchos Taniyos. I said this, I read this Rambam this morning after the Vasikan here, right? Um, I read this Rambam. But the Rambam says that with Be'ist Tzara, we have an obligation to, to daven. It's part of what we're doing right now. Be'ist Tzara, we have an obligation. And there's an obligation to daven based Tzara. The Chida is saying that that's like a, 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 a lower, which I understand why he's saying that. The lower, that I'm only coming because I'm Be'ist Tzara. At the same time, the Rambam says that when I am Be'ist Tzara, I have an obligation and I must daven. And let me show you the strength of a tefillah based Sarah. Are, are you ready for this? Look at this midrash. This midrash is in Medrash B'zros Abracha. So we just, it was just this past week's parsha. Yeah, so we have this week's parsha. We have last, okay, fine, right? Very good. So if you look over here, listen to this. And it's also Moshe, right, um, by uh, the Eschana, Moshe Davin, coming to Eretz Yisrael. Listen to this midrash. Kevan Shira Moshe Shenechtam Alav Gzardin. Gozar Alav Tanis Ve'og Ugo Ktana Ve'omar B'socha. It's like Koni Amagos, yeah? Moshe Rabbeinu heard God said, you're not going to get into Eretz Yisrael. Gzar din against Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, he, he, he started fasting. He drew this little circle. He stood in the middle of it. I'm not leaving until God indulges this decree. He's going to let me go into Eretz Yisrael. What did Moshe do? Moshe shook the whole world with his tefillah. Moshe had been with Davin those 515 tefillahs, and the whole world, the foundations of the world, started shaking. Moshe Rabbeinu was literally rocking the world with his tefillahs. What did God do at that moment? See that? God 
went to every gate in heaven and reinforced the lock. God went to every base in in Shamayim and gave them instructions not to accept Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah and not to assist Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah to come up into heaven. God is rallying the troops, literally, in Shamayim. He's fortifying the defenses in Shamayim to reject Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah. It's wild midrash. It's crazy. Because God had decreed that Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to go into Eretz Yisrael, and so God is instructing the Malachim and, 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 and reinforcing the Sharei Shemayim to keep them closed. Also Malach Shememuna Alachroza, Achzariel, was his name, the Malach who was uh, in charge of this uh, this pronouncement. But Osa Shah Kara Kadesh Baruch Hu God called to him in that moment, Bebahala. God is, uh, you know, uh, in confusion. You know, like when, when you have a surprise attack and you're you're caught off guard, and all of a sudden you're Bibahala. And Moshe Rabbeinu is shaking the heavens with his tefillot. And God was not ready for those tefillot. Those are the tefillot we need right now. Moshe Rabbeinu was shaking the heavens. God was not ready. He was Bibahala. And God said to the angels, go down and hold the gates closed. Because Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah was just breaking through. God already reinforced the gates of heaven. You remember that? And Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillahs are breaking through God's reinforcements. And so God is sending the angels to relock the gates. And Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah is so powerful that he's fighting the angels. And Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillahs are like a sword chopping through the gates of heaven. Nothing can hold them back. As if God's Shema Meforash itself was, was and, and if you have the angels holding the gates and God's Shema Meforash coming, it's going to win. And Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah is so powerful that it's chopping through the gates of heaven and all of the angels. Mahu, and then the Midrash continues, Mahu Baruch you're going to see what that means in a second, right? Oh, I mean, obviously we all know what it means, right? What does it mean that God is, is blessed from his place? They see angels, they saw that God was not favoring Moshe Rabbeinu. God made a decree, and he was not going to go back, and he was not going to allow Moshe Rabbeinu in. So the angel said, Baruch Hashem Look how grand and great. You know, God is in Kamo. He's unbending, un unbending, unwavering, doesn't show any favoritism. He's not even going to let Moshe Rabbeinu come into, come into Eretz Yisrael. It's a crazy midrash, yeah? It's a crazy midrash, yeah? But but look at this. And putting this midrash together with the Zohar, something that I learned from Rabbi he has it together in Sharon Batvila in the chapter of Beatsor. And so, if, if, if look at look at this Zohar, right, 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 right? Somebody might think that I learned Zohar that's not correct, right? I learned this from Rabbi Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just you know, okay, everybody understands what I'm saying. Um, um, but in Rabbi to Sharon Batvila, he has this Zohar in the chapter of Bitzur. And look what the look what the look what the Zohar writes. Rabbi Abba Pasach Tefila Laani Kiato. Rabbi Abba is explaining other paragraphs. He Tefila Laani Kiato. The uh, the prayer of the Ani. Kiyatov. It's actually an interesting machlokas that we shown him what kiyatov means. Something he means like atipa, like he wraps himself in his talis and he does his tefillah. And somebody shows him the kiyatov when he is oppressed, right? He is so oppressed that he comes and he and he davens. All the same for us. There were three people 
um, who are described as tefillah. Um, actually, there's more than that, but the Zohar asks why other people are not counted. I just cut that part out in the ellipses that you'll see in one second. There are three people who are said tefillah. One is Moshe, one is David, and one is the Tfila Lemosha, Isha Elokim, that's one. Tfila Lemosha. Tfila Dodolo Dileskigine Bavar Nashahara. A Tfila that no other person ever said, right? Which now we understand. Why do we understand that? Because we just read about the power of Moshe Rabbeinu's Tfila. It's a Tfila like nobody else ever said. That's what the Zohar, that's what the Zohar writes. Moshe Rabbeinu's Tfila Lemosha. Then there's Tfila Ledavid. Tfila Da Ihi Tfila Dileskigine Bimalka Achara. And there's Tefillah David, the, the greatest Tefillahs of all the kings. We're learning David Amel's Tefillah right now. We've been learning David Amel's Tefillah for uh, 47 minutes, a little less than that, right? 45 minutes or something like that. David Amel's Tefillahs, Ne'im Zimeo Yisrael, all of the Tefillahs, David Amel's Tefillahs, the, the, one of the, the, the greatest Bali Tefillah, you know, that the world has ever seen, Moshe Rabbeinu and David, and then there's Tefillah Lani, Tefillah to the, to the afflicted, right? To the, to, the, to the downtrodden, to the poor. And then the Zohar asks, look at this, Tefillah Ihi Me'anan Gimel, Man Chashivu Mikul. Which one of these three says the best tefillah? Which of these three says the strongest, most important tefillahs? Have Omer, tefillah the Ani. The Zohar says, you know whose tefillah is the strongest? The tefillah of the Ani. Tefillah da Kadim le tefillah de Moshe. The Kadim le tefillah de David. It is greater than the tefillah of Moshe. And it is greater than the tefillah of David. The Kadim Lechol Shart Slusa the Alma is greater than anybody else's tefillah in the entire world. My Taima, why? Why is that true? Begain the Ani Ihu Tavir Liba. Because the Ani comes with a broken heart. Leiv Nishpor Vinitke Elohim Losiv Zer. That's what David Amalek says. And you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a broken heart. That is the strongest tefillah. Moshe Rabbeinu came to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a tefillah that chopped through the gates of heaven. And the Zohar writes, so you know whose tefillah is grander and greater? The tefillah La'ani. So it's so fascinating. Come finish our, our circle, right? The Chidah writes that when you come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu God listens to that tefillah. Out of God's racha, when you come to God before tzara, you can imagine what that tefillah is? Imagine. We learned about the tefillah of Moshe Rabbeinu chopping through the gates of heaven. The angels trying to hold back Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah. It's so strong. The angels can't even hold back Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah. Has to lock the gates to keep out Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah. The tefillah of the Ani is greater than the tefillah of Moshe Rabbeinu. When we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a broken heart, that is a greater tefillah than Moshe Rabbeinu. What it does in Shamayim, I, 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 I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. And then the Chida tells us, that the tefillah based tzara is a lesser tefillah. All of that. Does everybody see what I, what we're building here? Does everybody see? When we come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, after after all, right now we're based tzara. Right now we're based tzara. But when we come to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, after all, and we say a different kind of tefillah, a tefillah that's not based tzara. I don't know what it's like. I don't, and it, it chops through the gates of heaven. It chops through the gates of heaven. I wish that always meant that we got exactly what we what we what we asked for. I wish I wish so. I wish so. But it doesn't. But I but but like I said before, I, I like to still believe that it has has effect and has effect long and wide in the in the in the world and, and in history. Good. So here's what we've got so far. When I was in trouble and difficult times, I called out to God and God responded to me. I'd, of the puzzle bet. We did one pasuk, nailed it, right? Pasuk Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I have to laugh at myself, or it's not funny. Adonai had nafshi misfas sheker milashon rimia. God should save me misfas sheker from uh, people who speak lies milashon rimia. Okay, what I'm going to do now, I what I'm going to do now is I'm going to try to just explain some of this without reading all the sources inside because I would like to finish the Tehillim so that we could do a different one tomorrow. And if anybody needs to dive in Marav in nine minutes, I told um um I told Doctor Eagle that I would finish by nine o'clock. So. Let's let's do this, right? Um, Sfas sheker and lashon rimiyah are sheker is like lies. Somebody just tells you falsehood, right? You know, um, and rimiyah is um, is not falsehood. It's uh, trickery. It's chicanery. Somebody tells you one thing, right? Um, but really means something else. So somebody says that they're looking for for peace, and really they're not, right? That would be rimiyah. That, that right? That would be. If, Somebody, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, says sheker. They just tell you, you know, straight that, that you know, I don't know. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, I don't know, whatever. And so, so, so that's the difference between sheker and rimiyah. There is a machlokis here between the Rishonim and the Achronim. What exactly David HaMelech is davening for? Some of the Rishonim and Achronim think that David HaMelech is davening to be saved from people who speak with deceit. That's how Malbim understands his parakin to David HaMelech is saying like this. He's saying like, listen, if there was an army and they were attacking, then I could fight back. I would fight back. It would be easier. If there was an army that was pretending to be peaceful and convincing the world that they wanted peace when really they were trying to undermine me, it ties my hand because I can't just fight back. I can't just attack because it's rimiyah, it's deceit. And so David Amalek is, is asking God, he's saying, listen, God, if there's enemies, you know, like uh, I can fight them. But God, I need you to protect me from deceit, because I can't do everything in my power to protect myself from deceit because I have my hands tied. And so it's amazing, by the way, yeah, how sometimes like, you know, like, like, it's just, it's amazing, right? You know, like when you read things that like, you know, David Amelech wrote and you're like, wait a second, this wasn't written yesterday, right? You know, like this was, this is David Amelech. It's, I don't know, it's so amazing to me, but that's how Malbim understands what David Amelech is talking about. And there are other Rishonim and Achronim, um, uh, both the, the Chida as well as the Alshech, who think that David Amelech at all. David Amelech is talking about Lashon Hara. David Amelech is asking God, Adunoi Hatzila Nafshi Misfas Sheker Milashon Rimiyah. Save me from the sin of Lashon Hara. Why is he asking to be saved from the sin of Lashon Hara? Because the sin of Lashon Hara leads to Gullus. This happened, this is this was very clear, right? Um, when when the Maraglim, right, um, um, sin, they speak Lashon Hara, Dibas Aretz, Lashon Hara, against Eretz Yisrael, and what is the punishment? Gullus. We stay outside of Eretz Yisrael. For 40 years. The Beit HaMikdash is destroyed because of Sin HaSchina, but if you look in the Chavetz Chaim, in the beginning of the Sefer Chavetz Chaim, in the introduction, the Chavetz Chaim says it's not really Sin HaSchina. That's just what we say. That's just what we say. What, what it really is, is Lashon Hara. It's Sin HaSchina that led to Lashon Hara. And why does the Chavetz Chaim say that? Because the Chavetz Chaim says, and I know this is amazing, I'm sorry if I'm shocking anybody right here, because we all grew up thinking that it was just Sin HaSchina. The Chavetz Chaim says that's not enough. If it was just Sin HaSchina, we wouldn't have had it. You know what we needed in order to get Golas? Needed to be Lashon Hara. It's Sinaskinam that led to Lashon Hara, right? But when you have Lashon Hara, that leads to Gullus. That's very scary, by the way. If anybody's thinking about it, Lashon Hara, right? You know, talking badly about uh, about people. And it's very, I was listening to Reverend Ramon last night and I was so shocked by what I heard him say. I put, did anybody listen to Reverend Ramon last night? Reverend Ramon led to Hillen last night. And at the very end, Reverend Ramon said that, uh, you know, that, you know, uh, right now we're the Mahoma. We have to daven. We have to, we have to learn and we have to seek peace. Right, you know, he, he didn't mean with our enemies. He meant he didn't say that certainly. He mean with our enemies. He 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 meant with with each other. 
And then he said, and it shocked me when I heard it, because I, I, I certainly, whatever, it shocked me, right? Um, Rabbi Ramon said, he said, I've been nervous now for a while that something might happen, because there's been so much period. In, uh, in Klal Yisrael, I've just been nervous. You have to be like like a nubby to say, you know, things like that. I guess Rabbi Ramon is on the path, right? You know, you know, but, the, but um, you know, but, but in any event, so, so, um, Lashon Hara leads to Golas. This is this is what the Chavetz Chaim writes in the beginning of the Sefer. In the beginning of the Sefer Chavetz Chaim, and so David Amelech says, "God, protect me from Lashon Hara." And then, interestingly, by the way, the the Alshech and the and the Chida they say that God responds in the next pasuk. God says, What else do you want me to do? God says, I made you teeth and I made you lips and, and I put the tongue sideways instead of standing upright. And well, I gave you so much protection from Lashon Hara. What do you want me to do? He said, you are in it now. You got to do it. Don't look at me. Right? It's like when God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jews are by the by, by the Yamsuf, right before it splits and the Jews start to, and, and, and God says, okay, listen, just go. You got to go, right? Stop it already. Right? You know, uh, go. Right, and so and so and so that's what the Chida and the, and the Alshik they think that God says to David Amalekhi, "My Yitzin Lecham, my Yosef Lachlo Shon Remiyah." What do you want me to do? Right, you know, protect yourself from Lashon Hara. I gave you the tools, the equipment is yours. You got to protect yourself from Lashon Hara. Now, this means one of two different things. It means uh, arrows of warriors. Now, the thing about arrows is they 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 shoot from afar. You you shoot an arrow from afar. You don't have to be close to use an arrow. You have to be close to use a knife. Right? You don't have to be close to use an, to use an arrow. Gachalei Samim, Rashi says that coals are tricky things. Anybody here barbecue? So uh, so so the coals they 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 ash over, right? And if you if you don't know what you're doing, you might get burnt because the the coals look like they're out. It's not like raging fire, but they're hot. And rimiyah chicanery, it works that way. It kills from afar. As it, it shoots from afar. I think everything's okay. Right, I think things are fine. People are being deceitful. Rimiya, and from afar, somebody's shooting. Risam gachali, risamim. It looks, it looks hard. It looks like a rock, stone, whatever. It's fine, right? But it burns you. Gachali risamim. So ma'ita the chabayis of the rishon yachitzegi more shinunim in gachali risamim. The the lashon rimiya, the chicanery and the deceit is is dangerous from afar, and it's and it's and it looks innocuous, but it's not. Woe is to me because my exile has been so long. I've been living with Kedar. It's really interesting. Kedar is B'nai Yishmael. Kedar is B'nai Yishmael. And, uh, and who is it? If you look in the Radak on the bottom of the next page, the Radak writes amazingly. The Radak writes that David HaMelech specifically writes Yishmael. Now the Radak says, why does he specifically write Yishmael? Because most of the Gullus of the Jewish people is going to be amongst Yishmael. That's what the Radak says. I would have said something different if I was the Radak. I would have said, you know why David HaMelech writes Yishmael? Because we're going to have to deal with Rimiyah from Yishmael. We're going to have to deal with this deceit and this, this war of deceit, right, specifically from Yishmael. But I'm only saying that because I'm alive today and, and because that's what I'm living through. So, uh, so that's, why, that's why I see it that way, right? But woe is to me because I've been so long in the Golas. And if this is Shir Ma'alos, if this is the Shir of the, of the, of the, the Olim, like the Radak said, those kind of, what they're really saying is it's so amazing that now I get to come to Eretz Yisrael. I wish this was true. It's about to come out of my mouth. Now I come to, get to come to Eretz Yisrael, a society which is built by us, al Torah, where everything is just MS and truthful and everything is amazing. And I used to live wherever I used to live, where everybody was all Rimiyah and all of the politics, it was all deceit and everybody was all just trying to stab you in the back and get a step ahead. It's been so terrible for us. 
deleted all of these exiles. I, I wish it was, you know, entirely true what I was saying. Right. But now we get to come to Eretz Yisrael and we get to, to establish a, you know, a, a state and a government that's built on our values and our Torah and everything is MS and everything is true. There's no Sheker and there's no Remiyah and everything is just how it's supposed to be. Right. You know, I mean, right. Exactly right. It's so, it's been so long that we've been that way. Rabba Shachna Lanafshim Soni Shalom. Right, it's, now, now it, this is so amazing because Shoshana said before um, that uh, that it's about shalom, and I said, well, maybe it's about Shekhar and Remiah. Look at what I gave you from Rabbi Hirsch on the very back page, right? Rabbi Shachan Shalom. It's been so long that I've been with people who who despise despise peace. Look at Rabbi Hirsch, right? The hatred of peace is implicit in the hatred of truth. It goes together. It, it goes together. Yeah, when we're willing to be truthful, right, and everybody is working on the plane of truth, it's much easier to come to peace. If we won't work on the plane of truth, it's very, very, we're going to find it very, very difficult to, to find common ground. Very, very difficult to find peace. But the Malbim writes something that, uh, that, that made me so sad. It made me, it, it made me so sad. Because David Melech writes, Rabbah Shachna Lanafshim Sonei Shalom, that I've been living so long with Sonei Shalom, with people who are, who are hating, uh, hating peace. And look what Mal, see, so I, I would have liked to have said that it's like the Radak, that these are the Olim. They're talking about their experiences in the Golas, right? And it's been so long. But look what the Malmim writes. Rabbas Ra'arzu Rabba Yoser. This is a really, really bad, bad. Why is this a really bad, bad? Because Masha Shachna Lanafshim Sonei Shalom Shani Shochem Betel Chachai. Beim B'nei Yisrael. Beheim Sonim Shalom. We're living amongst Jews together. And not everybody wants peace. Isn't that so sad? It's also so sad because we're living it. No? Not everybody wants to live nicely together. I'm talking about the Jews together here in Eretz Yisrael. That's what David Amalek is lamenting, according to the Malbim. Rabba Shachna Lashim Sonei Shalom. I can't do it anymore to live in this kind of environment when people don't want to have peace. Ani Shalom. I want to have peace. And as I'm speaking about peace, there are people who are plotting with their deceit and their remiyah, and they're trying to backstab me. And they're just I need you to help me. I don't know what to do. I can't do it by myself. And so I'm finishing. So this is the Shira Malas Tilim Kuvcha. It's David Amelech's Tefillah that a Kodesh Baruch Hu should watch us and should guard us from deceit, and that a Kodesh Baruch Hu should um, enable us to be able to build an environment through which we can create, uh, through which we can create Shalom. I pray that as we daven together, and let's say the Tehillim together, everybody I know, Stephen's waiting for me, and I told him 9 o'clock, and it's already 9.01, but I'm going to do this because we have to. Let's say Tehillim Kufchaf together. We're going to say it all out loud together, not repetitively, because we, you know, you know, we're under the clock, and he's standing right there, and he's waiting. But let's say the Tehillim together. Let, let's say it together, and I pray that David, like, like David Amela, will answer our tefillas, hopefully not in 40 days, and hopefully not in 30 days, and hopefully, hopefully very, 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 very soon. Shira Malos El Adonai Batsarasili Karasi Vayani Adonai Hatsilanashi Misvas Sheker Milashon Rimiya Mayitim Lachal Mayosif Lach Lashon Rimiya Hitsegi Borshin Nim Im Gachale Risamim Oyali Kigarti Meshech Shachantim Olekedar Rabos Shachnalanashim Sone Shalom Ani Shalom Hiadaber Thank you very much, everybody. Tomorrow night, same bad time, same bad chat. Everybody have a very nice.